beloveds, and welcome to The Word is Resistance, a weekly podcast hosted by Showing Up for Racial Justice. In this podcast, we explore the readings from the Christian Bible assigned for the week in the Revised Common Lectionary, focusing on what they are showing us of God's dream of liberation and flourishing for all creation. In the context of empire, white supremacy, and a culture of domination and oppression, we come together to wonder how these ancient texts might inspire decolonial, anti-racist, and liberatory spiritual practices and faith-filled living for such a time as this. I'm Dr. Sharon Fenema, and I serve as the curator of Join the Movement Toward Racial Justice, an anti-racism initiative of the United Church of Christ. I use she and her pronouns and am recording this podcast from my home, which rests on the unceded and ancestral lands of the Ohlone people, who continue to lay down prayers and raise up life on this ground in what is now known as Oakland, California. I'm honored to contribute to this podcast, which is geared toward white Christians like me, who are searching for ways to resist racism and dismantle white supremacy. We know that the work of racial justice cannot be separated from faith commitments to do justice and love our neighbors. We recognize that as white Christians, we have particular work to do in resisting the logics of supremacy, which we benefit from and are implicated in, even as it shows up in our theologies and practices. My hope is that this anti-racist and decolonial work will form us and prepare us to follow the leadership of those most impacted by racism, colonialism, and other forms of oppression to reimagine and build a new world, as the song that you are hearing throughout this podcast invites us. This live recording of Dr. Vincent Hardy's song for the Freedom Movement is of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado in December 2014, being led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use this song for this podcast. As we begin our exploration of the scripture readings for today, I want to invite us to ground ourselves with a practice of breathing. I'm grateful to Jan Richardson for the words to this blessing of breathing, and I invite you to breathe with these intentions in the solidarity of prayer. That the first breath will come without fear. That the second breath will come without pain. The third breath, that it will come without despair. And the fourth, without anxiety. That the fifth breath will come with no bitterness. That the sixth breath will come for joy. Breath seven, that it will come for love. May the eighth breath come for freedom, and the ninth for delight. When the tenth breath comes, may it be for us to breathe together, and the next, and the next, until our breathing is as one, 
until our breathing is no more. As we find ourselves approaching the third Sunday of Lent, I wanted to invite us to draw our attention to the psalm assigned for this week. Dwelling in this Christian season where we lean into practices of spiritual deepening and journeying with Jesus in the pathways of resistance that will eventually lead to the cross, I find the psalms to be particularly well-suited journey companions. These poems and songs of the Hebrew scriptures open, us, open up space for the amazing breadth of emotion that can be part of our spiritual journey with the holy. The Psalms sing us through the gambit of humid emotions, from full-throated rage and despair to incredible delight and praise, to deep lament and confident hope. Psalm 63, which is the lectionary psalm for this week, is no exception. Let us dwell with these sacred words and see how they trouble the waters of our heart. Psalm 62, verses 1 through 8. O God, you are my God. For you I long. My soul thirsts for you. My body pines for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands and call on your name. My soul is satisfied as with a rich feast, and my mouth praises you with joyful lips when I think of you on my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings, I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. I was drawn to the psalm for this week in part because it lives in my bones in a very particular way. It is one of the psalms traditionally associated with morning prayer in the Christian liturgical practices. As a part of Christian monastic communities, I have sung this psalm probably hundreds of times. But as I revisited it with the lectionary for this week, I noticed that the original text has a subtitle. It says, A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. In Jewish rabbinical commentaries, the rabbis argue that this subtitle points to David as the author of the psalm and indicates that it was composed when he fled into the Judean wilderness to escape from then King Saul, who was in a desperate who in a desperate desire to hold on to his power was trying to kill David. Other Christian interpreters locate the psalm as a prayer of David during the rebellion against him 
when he was king by his son Absalom. Though most research in, into the Psalms questions whether David actually wrote any of them, it is clear that whoever the author is, it was important to them to locate these words, this poem, in the context of exile, of fleeing for one's life, of violence and betrayal. How differently do we hear, O oh God, you are my God, for you I long. My soul thirsts for you, my body pines for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water, if we imagine them spoken by a refugee. How does it change our image of the God to whom the psalmist prays, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. If we think of these words emerging from the experience of trying to escape the clutches of violent aggression. When I think of this context for interpreting Psalm 63, I can't help but think of those millions of people making their way from different parts of the Ukraine toward the border in the hopes of escaping the violent occupation by Russian forces. Our screens and news feeds have been filled for the last 25 days with images of elders and children and others journeying in desperate hope for safety. United Nations reports indicate that 3.2 million Ukrainians have fled the country, while another 6.5 million people have been displaced within Ukraine. If nothing else, perhaps reading Psalm 63 in our current context can be a pathway toward empathy and solidarity with these war-driven, forced migrants. As we imagine the prayers and songs that may be pouring from their spirits, in this moment. As white people striving to embody anti-racist practices, however, our interpretation of this psalm cannot end with empathy for and solidarity with Ukrainians who are both fleeing the violence and fighting to resist occupation and war. We must dig deeper and listen to the voices of other resistance fighters who draw our attention to the differences in our practices of empathy toward Ukrainians, in contrast to other people who have been displaced by and resisting occupation, especially our brown and black kin. When reporting on Ukrainians seeking refuge in Poland, Al Jazeera English anchor Peter Dobby remarks, these are prosperous middle-class people these are not people trying to get away from areas in North Africa. They look like any European family that you would live next door to. In describing the war in Ukraine, CBS News correspondent Charlie Degata claims, this isn't a place with all due respect like Iraq or Afghanistan. This is a relatively civilized, relatively European city where you wouldn't expect that or hope that it's gonna happen. Paul Massaro, counter-corruption advisor to Congress tweets, I'm racking my brain for a historical parallel to the courage and fighting spirit of the Ukrainians and coming up empty. How many people have ever stood their ground against an aggressor like this? It's legendary. 
The overt racism revealed by comments like these demands that if we are to engage Psalm 63 as the prayer of those in exile, we must do so not only in solidarity with Ukrainians, but also with Palestinians, Haitians, Syrians, and indigenous peoples around the world who are both exiled and resisting. As trauma-informed somatics heal healer Paula, Pamela Samuelson points out, Resistance is not and never has been uniquely European. To say so is other, utterly disingenuous and a tragic distortion of history and the present. Resistance by oppressed people is necessary, righteous, and legendary all the time, not just when white Europeans do it. Yet as a white Christian of European ancestry, I have to recognize that my imagination of the context from which this psalm emerged is likely extremely limited. Even though my Dutch ancestors, like many Europeans who found their way to these shores, were likely refugees, forced to flee, their li flee for their lives from religious and class persecution, these unhealed traumas ended up not seeding solidarity but rather fueling violence against Black, Indigenous, and other peoples of color. As Resma Medicam draws our awareness to in his book, My Grandmother's Hands, whiteness was created when white Americans began in earnest to formalize a culture of white body supremacy in order to soothe the dissonance that existed between more powerful and less powerful white bodies to blow centuries of white-on-white -white trauma through millions of black and red bodies, and to attempt to colonize the minds of people of all colors. White supremacy and imperialism have indelibly shaped us and constrain what stories and experiences inform our thinking and acting in the world, meaning our capacity for empathy and solidarity has itself been colonized as the racist coverage of the war in the Ukraine reveals. So how can we as white people experience Psalm 63 as the song of those fleeing from violent aggression and finding ways to resist occupation, given the limitation of our imaginations and our capacities for empathy? For me, Recognizing and acknowledging the limits of empathy is an important first step. Until we can truly confess that far from being universal, our imaginations are partial, imperfect, and biased, we cannot open ourselves to be informed and impacted by those whose lives are different from ours. And we cannot know what it is like to experience the world or the divine through their eyes in their prayers. If we begin with this kind of cultural humility, then we can move toward a second step. The second leg of this journey toward decolonizing our imaginations means seeking out, perceiving and believing the stories and experiences of those most impacted by violent aggression, forced migration, and those who have brilliantly resisted domination for centuries. Even though our understandings will still be limited, these voices and lives can become part of the cloud of witnesses who we follow and whose expressions shape our understandings of God, scripture, 
and our callings as followers of the revolutionary Jesus. We can be active participants in reshaping the contours of our own news feeds, streaming services, bookshelves, and media outlets, so that we can actively work to undo the segregation, prejudices, and biases built into the culture of whiteness. When I think about experiencing this beloved psalm as the prayer of one in exile, fleeing for their life, experiencing and resisting violence and betrayal, as a white person striving to practice anti-racism, it felt like one way to work toward decolonizing my imagination of an interpretation of Psalm 63 was to read it alongside the poetry of other refugees and resistors. So I created this mashup of the psalm with the poem Specific Details by Hassam Marouf, a Palestinian poet from Gaza. What opens up in you when you hear these poem, poems of exile and longing together? What new thing might the spirit be speaking? O oh God, you are my God, for you I long. My soul thirsts for you, my body pines for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Drowning in the time allotted for truce, we manufacture spare hearts in case we lose the hearts each of us has. We're uncertain of life's worth on the slipping edge, yet it seems hope can't be shelled all at once. So I look upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands and call on your name. The minute details of war, poison gas we can't thwart from settling our blood, can't even grab fear to toss it whole outside our flesh. Dear God, anxiety's beat within us is louder than a proximal bomb. But tell me, how will you convince the world that the forest has no drum? My soul is satisfied as with a rich feast, and my mouth praises you with joyful lips when I think of you on my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I sing for joy. Specific details fix our feet in place as the house runs and runs, leaving its stones, its children behind, body parts, fragments in memory. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. call to action this week, I wanted to invite you to take some time to discover and be informed by the voices of forced migrants and refugees from around the world and pray with their words and poems. 
I'll put some links in the trans transcript for websites you can explore, but I also encourage you to make a spiritual practice of taking time to seek out those voices in your own ways and share with us what you discover and how those discoveries are changing you. As the war in the Ukraine continues and the people of Ukraine rightfully remain in our hearts and prayers, I invite you to consider each time you lift up a prayer for Ukraine to also lift up prayers for other places of resistance struggle against occupation and for other forced migrants. And if you find yourself moved to make a donation to support Ukrainian refu refugees, also consider supporting your local indigenous communities and others who work to support migrants from around the world. In doing so, may our compassion and empathy expand beyond the limits whiteness has placed on our imaginations. Thanks as always for joining us. We'd love to hear from you all by commenting on our SoundCloud or Twitter or Facebook pages or filling out the survey on our podcast page at surge.org. Give us a like or rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you check out our podcasts. You can find out more about Surge at surge.org, where you can sign up for Surge Faith updates and find transcripts for every episode, which include references, resources, and action links. Next week, we'll have a resistance word from M. Barclay. And finally, a huge thanks to our sound editor, Claire Hitchens. As we close out our time together, I invite you to take a moment with me in the solidarity of prayer. May the God of refugees and migrants travel with us and all who cross borders this day. Those who see home and all it means disappear behind them and those who are weary and without a safe place to rest their heads. May the God who is our sanctuary, under whose wings we find shelter, bless us and all who flee violence today, those escaping the ravages of war and those who are seeking to stop the threats of violence and find peaceful and healing places. May we each go forth with the faith of one homeward bound to you, God of steadfast love, and the courage of one who travels with you, beloved companion, as navigator and guide. In the name of all that is holy, just, and compassionate, may it be so. Amen.